but today is our last uh, day in the book of Philippians as we've gone verse by verse, chapter by chapter through this book. And uh, the title of the study has been Joy in Jesus. And I chose that title very deliberately because of those last two words, in Jesus. See, the common description in the Bible of a follower of Christ is someone who is in Christ or in Jesus. The expressions in Christ, in the Lord, in Him are used 164 times in the writings of Paul. It's interesting that the word Christian only appears three times in the Bible. And yet the, the, the description in Christ, in the Lord, in Jesus, 164 times just in the writings of Paul. Now, as far as we know, Jesus never used the word Christian, at least not in, record, not in the recordings, uh, recorded teachings that we have. Apostle Paul never used the word Christian, again, at least not in the recorded teachings that we have. And I'm not suggesting that the word Christian is a bad term. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't use the word Christian. But I am suggesting there must be something very important about that phrase, in Jesus, in the Lord. There must be something very important about this description. And so all week long, I've been studying and praying and asking, what does it mean? What does it mean to be in the Lord? What does it mean in Christ Jesus? Let me tell you what it, tell you what it does not mean first. It does not mean to be inside Christ, like tools are inside a toolbox or your clothes are inside a closet. That's not what it means. No, to be in Christ or to be in the Lord means to be united to Christ like a branch is united in a tree. Get that picture in your mind. It's united to Christ like a branch is united in a tree. Now, the Lord Jesus himself was the first one to even talk about this concept. Philippians chapter 15. I know we're in, I'm sorry, John chapter 15. I know we're in Philippians, but go first to John chapter 15. And look what Jesus said in verse 4 and 5. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if a man, look at this phrase, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not, here it is again, remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus said, in essence, here's what it means to have a relationship with me. You are in me and I am in you like a branch is in the vine, like a branch is connected to the vine. So this, this phrase, in the Lord, in Jesus Christ, it speaks about two very prominent and important things. It speaks about our relationship with God and it speaks about our dependence upon God. First of all, it speaks about our relationship with God. You see, look at this. You don't just have a religion when you, when you know Christ, but when you know Christ, you are in Christ. You are connected to Him. You have a personal relationship with Him, and His life flows into your life just like the life of the vine flows into the, in the life of the branch. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Because you have a relationship with a power source you've never had before. That's what it means to be in Christ. It means to have, have that personal relationship, but it also means dependence. See, we're not meant to live this life on our own. Christians are not self-made people. 
We are utterly dependent on Jesus for everything, just like a branch is dependent on the vine. That's why Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. You're utterly dependent upon me, like a branch dependent on a vine. Now, you need that summary so that you can understand what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. So if you go with me to Philippians chapter 4, this is our text today. And in Philippians chapter 4, you will see this phrase, in the Lord, three different times in these nine verses. It's interesting how he uses these, uh, this phrase so often. Look in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, chapter 4, verse 1, Philippians. Therefore, my brothers, you, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Not just stand firm, but stand firm in the Lord. Then in verse 2, we see the phrase again. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other. And he didn't put a period there. He said, I plead with you to agree with each other in the Lord. There's that phrase again. We sit again in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. I say it again, rejoice. Paul didn't say rejoice always. He said rejoice in the Lord. Always. Three separate thoughts and actions. Uh, one, is, one is stand firm in the Lord. and The other is agree in the Lord. The other is rejoice in the Lord. Three separate thoughts, three separate actions. All are important, and watch this, and every one of them are difficult. Stand firm. It's going to be hard for you to do, so stand firm in the Lord. Agree with each other. That's not easy to do, but you can agree with each other if you do it in the Lord. Rejoice always. That may be the hardest one. Rejoice always. I'll say it again, rejoice. That's not going to be easy, but you can rejoice always if you, if you rejoice in the Lord. Three separate actions. Every one of those actions, very difficult and very important. Paul says the key to it is not you. The key to it is not your resources. The key to it is not your ability. It's not your knowledge. It's not your wisdom. It's not your strength. The key to it is your relationship to the Lord. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we are not meant to do these things on our own. We're meant to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship and a dependency on Him and Him alone. And so if life has become overwhelming for you, and for some of you, 2017 has been very hard. For some of you, the last several months have been heartbreaking. It's been very difficult for some of you, the things that you've had to go through. I'm here today to tell you this very simple truth. If you're connected to Jesus Christ, you have a resource that will help you face anything you come against. And so let's look and see what Paul means when he uses this phrase three different times three different ways. First of all, Paul tells us in verse 1, when life is hard, we have to stand firm in the Lord. That phrase, he says in verse 1, therefore my brothers whom you love and long for my joy and crown, that is how, that, referring back to what he's written in, verse, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, that is how, or this is how, uh, you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. The word stand firm, the Greek word picture there, is a soldier that stands fast in the heat of battle. He does not run, he does not retreat, he does not buckle under pressure, uh, he doesn't give up, he stands firm when the enemy attacks. And Paul says, that's the way you need to do it. When the enemy attacks you, you need to stand firm in the Lord. 
When the temptations and trials of life get to be more than you can handle, then you need to stand firm in the Lord. When failure comes your way and it's easy to give up, Paul says don't give up, stand firm in the Lord. When life is heartbreaking and overwhelming, don't cave in, stand firm, but not in your strength. Stand firm in the Lord. When, when everything is going wrong, the message of Scripture is this, you might not be able to handle it, but Jesus can. Stand firm in the Lord. When the enemy is surging all around your family, when the struggles and trials seem to be at your constant companions, don't give in to Satan's temptations and Satan's tricks. Never surrender. Instead, trust in the one who defeated Satan. Paul would say, here's what you do. Stand firm in the Lord. Now, some of you know my brother Larry, and some of you know that Larry uh, has been in the hospital at Duke University. He has severe heart issues, and in fact, they've told him basically he's crossed over and kind of heading towards the end. We don't know when that'll be. It might be a year from now. We don't know. could be any time. We just really don't know. But Larry's doing fine, but he's, in, he's been in the hospital for, at Duke University for three, three and a half weeks. He's probably got at least another week to go. And the major problem that he's having right now, his heart is just kind of worn out and everything's not working the way it should. And, and he's gained a lot of fluid in his body. In fact, I texted him today. I said, how you doing? And how much fluid have, have they taken off? He said, as of today, they've taken off 47 liters of fluid. Now, to help you understand, that, that would be the equivalent of taking 23 and a half two-liter bottles and strapping them to your body. And trying to walk around with that. Now, I didn't tell you that to let you, to, so you'd feel bad for Larry. I told you that because I want you to know what Larry's doing. He's turned his hospital room into a, into a sanctuary. Uh, he is, he's talking to everybody that comes into his room. He knows his time is not long. Again, we don't know how long that'll be. But he knows that life is not going to be extended very much longer perhaps and so he's just sharing with everybody and he's got such a great outlook I saw him this past week he's just got such a great outlook about this he's not downcast he's not worried he's just sharing with doctors and nurses in fact one of the doctors was so impressed by what Larry was sharing that the doctor had his entire team come to see Larry not for medical purposes but so that Larry could talk to them two plumbers came to fix the toilet they ended up sitting down and Larry preached the sermon to him. A nurse came in and, and she closed the curtain, put a chair beside his bed. She said, I'm not here to talk about your medical conditions. I'm here because I need to hear what you've got to say. Tell me about this Lord. And Larry talked to her for an hour and a half. One of his daughters works in a medical office and there were some problems in the medical office. Larry called the medical office, they put him on speakerphone and for I don't know how long he talked to the entire medical office from his bed telling them about how good God is. My favorite one is the chaplain who came to see him. Chaplain came in there and he, I'm not trying to make fun, but it is kind of funny. Chaplain Larry was praying and and chaplain was praying, and, 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 and he said that he was, he was holding Larry, and every so often he'd let go. And then, then he'd put his hand back, and then, then he'd let go. And, he put his, and after he got through praying, chaplain said, I guess you, you noticed that I was kind of 
turning loose of you. He said, well, yeah, I didn't know what that was all about. He said, he said, I don't know what it's all about either. All I know is when I was praying and holding on to you, I just felt the presence of God like I've never felt before. He said, it's more than I can handle. I had to let go. Chaplain then later said, <laughs> he came back the next day. He wanted some more. Came back the next day. And he said, I know, Larry, that I'm supposed to be here to pray for you. Would you pray for me? Here, here's, what, here's my point. Stand firm in the Lord. And when you stand firm in the Lord, and not in your strength, but in His strength, people notice. Because all of a sudden, it's not you anymore. It's Him. Stand firm, Paul says, in the Lord. Life can be hard. Life can be confusing. It can be frustrating, and it can be certainly heartbreaking, as it has been this week. But in those times... When you don't have what it takes, Jesus does. So Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. Don't, what, listen, listen. Don't just be a Christian. Stand firm in the Lord. Then the second thing that he tells us is this. When relationships are broken, we are to agree in the Lord. Verse 2, I plead. Notice that word plead. I plead with Yodia. And I plead, there's that word again, I plead, I'm begging you, Syntyche, to agree with each other, but he doesn't put a period there, to agree with each other in the Lord. It's interesting to me that the theme of Philippians is joy, but you know as well as I do, it's hard to experience joy when you're at odds with somebody else. It's hard to have any joy when you're mad at somebody. It's hard to have any joy when you've got enemies, even in the church. And so it's interesting, we don't know what Yodia and Syntyche, what they did. We don't know what the problem was, but there, there was a problem there with, between these two people in the church. Now, it's interesting that they used to work with Paul in spreading the gospel. Notice I, I use the phrase, they used to work with Paul. Now, they're no longer doing that. Now, they've been sidelined. Now these two ladies who used to work side by side with the Apostle Paul in, in advancing the gospel, they used to work side by side in cooperation, now they're standing face to face in confrontation. Apparently, this was a pretty severe division which was affecting the entire church because word got back to Paul in Rome. And Paul felt like he needed to deal with it, so he writes it in the letter. How would you like it that the only thing said about you in Scripture was that you were arguing with somebody? Paul said, I'm pleading with you, Yodia. I'm pleading with you, Syntyche. Agree with each other in the Lord. I know there's differences. I know it's not easy. I, I, know, this, I know that he hurt you or she hurt you. I, I understand that, Paul says. But I also understand something else. You can come back together in the Lord. You used to work with me. You used to be at my side. You used to advance the gospel. Now you're not doing that anymore. So he pleads with them to agree in the Lord. You see, it used to be they were focused, watch this, don't miss this, they were focused like Paul on sharing the gospel with the world. That's what they used to do. And now, now somewhere along the way, they lost their focus and they began to focus on one another and trivial things. Well, she hurt my feelings. Did you hear what she said? Paul said, I plead with you. I plead with you. 
Agree with each other. It's too much is at stake. Agree with each other in the Lord. You see, what was really big, the gospel, ended up being very small for them. And what was really small, trivial matters, ended up being really big. Satan uses that same strategy today. If you're at odds with a brother or sister in Christ as your pastor, I want to say, I plead with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, agree with each other in the Lord. I don't know anybody that's mad at anybody, but I don't always know everything. I do know this. Satan wants to distract you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to divide you so that he can defeat you. Because if he can do that, if he can get you as a brother or sister in Christ against somebody other, some other brother or sister in Christ, if he can get you to do this, then he knows you're not focusing on those who need the gospel. Now, now let, let's just think about the game. Anybody watch the game last night? Anybody? Yeah, we're not going to talk about winners or losers. I mean, it's great. I'm glad Clemson won. I really am. I'm glad Clemson won. I pulled for South Carolina teams when they're not playing Tennessee. So I, I was pulling for Clemson. I don't have anything to pull for right now with Tennessee. <laughs> it was good to finally pull for somebody winning, you know. At least you guys have a coach. We'll get a good coach, by the way. We'll, we'll get a top tier. You mark my word. We'll get a top tier, top tier, top of the line coach. It just may not be in my lifetime. <laughs> but, but imagine Kelly Bryant. Kelly played football at Wren High School. Imagine Kelly Bryant, quarterback for, for uh, Clemson Tigers. Imagine Kelly Bryant in, in the middle of the game. They hike him the ball. He goes back to pass, and he notices somebody up in the stands he doesn't like. Now, imagine if he just dropped the ball, went over, climbed up the, the stairs, went up in the stands and started fussing at somebody. Dabo would be like, have you lost your mind? We're, listen, we're playing for an ACC championship. How, what would cause you to leave the game we need you on the field, and you're up there arguing with somebody in the stands. I want to tell you something. We're doing something far more important than an ACC championship when we're sharing the gospel in the church. And sometimes I think God wants to say, have you lost your mind? What are you doing fussing with somebody about something that really doesn't matter eternally when we need to be out there telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel? Have you lost your mind? And truth of the matter is, we have, haven't we? We've lost our mind. We've lost our joy. We've lost relationships. We, we lose a lot of things. Paul, that's why Paul says, I, I plead with you, Yodia. I plead with you, Syntyche. Too much is at stake. Don't leave the game and go up in the stands. Agree with each other in the Lord. It's not going to be easy. Might have to humble yourself. You 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 may have to ask for forgiveness, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you will agree in the Lord, then the Lord can use you again. Then the third thing that he tells us is this. Maybe the hardest one of all is in verse four. He says, Rejoice in the Lord. Period. That would be nice. But that's not what he says. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And it's as if Paul can anticipate somebody who's going to say, wait a minute, what about, and so Paul says, I'll say it again, 
rejoice. Always rejoice in the Lord, Paul says. Always. You know what Paul is saying to the church at, uh, at Philippi and, and to us as well? One of the powerful lessons of this book is that our Christian joy is not tied to material things or to outward circumstances. Paul was in prison when he was telling people to rejoice. He had been in prison for a good while when he was telling people to rejoice. He was in a, a prison cell writing this letter and said, Oh, by the way, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Not rejoice in your circumstances. That would be stupid. Not rejoice in the, in the hard things that are, you're going through. That would be crazy. But in the midst of the stupid and the crazy, you can still rejoice in the Lord. See, a lost person doesn't have that. They don't have that opportunity. All they have is the crazy and the stupid going on, and they don't have the resource of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you are not just a Christian. You are in the Lord Jesus. You are grafted into Him like a branch is grafted into a tree. You're part of Him. He's part of you. That's why you can rejoice in the Lord even when crazy and stupid stuff is going on around you. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. You say, well, William Barclay put it best. He says, the Christian can never lose his joy because he can never lose his Jesus. You might lose your job, but you can't lose Jesus. You might lose your marriage, but you can't lose Jesus. You might lose your dreams or your health, but you can't lose Jesus. You might lose your money, but you can't lose Jesus. You might lose your loved one, but you can't lose Jesus. You, you might, like Paul, lose your freedom, but you can't lose Jesus. That's why Paul says, rejoice. In the Lord, always. You say, Pastor, I, I, you know, I want to do that, but I'm telling you, there's just some of the stuff going on right now, it's just worried me sick. Paul anticipated that too because he says in the next verse, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The word anxious is it's translated worry in some translations. It means to literally to be pulled in two different directions at the same time. And some of you know exactly what that feels like right now, don't you? You know exactly what it feels like to be pulled in two directions at the same time. And you're so uptight and anxious and worried about things that are really, really difficult. Paul says that the best way to handle those anxious days, I love the wording here. He said, present that to the Lord. Present, look at it again. Verse 6, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Watch this, present your request to God. It's the idea of, God, I've carried this long enough. Would you take it? Lord, I've tried to hold this, and I'm, getting, I'm just getting weighed down by it all. And I've tried to handle it, and I've tried to fix it, and, and I've just tried to put a smile on my face. And I, I've tried to do good, and... God, I can't do it anymore. I want to present it to you. God, can I give it to you? You say, how do you do that, Pastor? Paul said the best way to do that is through prayer. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Now, there's two words I want you to mark in your Bibles in this, these two verses. It's the word, in verse 6, the word anything and the word everything. Anything and everything. What, what do we pray about, Paul? You pray about anything. You pray about everything. 
Those words are very significant. Nothing is too great for God's power, so pray about anything. And nothing is too small for His fatherly care, so pray about everything. Someone asked, is it okay to pray about small things to the Lord in prayer? I mean, it really, is it okay to bring small things to the Lord in prayer? And the answer is, is there anything that looks big to God? Think about it. It might look big to you. There's nothing that looks big to God. Everything is small to Him, so turn your worries into prayers. Hey, that's a new idea. How about that one? Turn your worries into prayer. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Just turn your worries into prayers. If you want to worry less, pray more. And when you pray, remember three things. First of all, remember the love of God, which desires only what is best for you. Secondly, remember the wisdom of God, which alone knows what's best for you. And thirdly, remember the power of God, which alone can bring to pass what is best for you. That's why you pray. That's why you present your request to God. It's like, God, I don't know what to do with this. But I believe in the love of God that you desire only what's best for me. I, I believe in the wisdom of God. You alone know what's best for me. I believe in the power of God. You alone can bring about what's best for me. So, it just makes sense now. I'm going to present my request to God. I'm just going to give it to you. You see, prayer is simply your expression of your dependence and on His presence and His promises and His power. And when you pray like that, you turn your worries into prayers, here's the result, verse 7. It said, when you do this, here's what you can expect, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace of God. Some of you desperately need the peace of God right now. And you don't have it. It's that peace that eludes you. It's that peace that you don't have and, and can't get to sleep. Or if you do get to sleep, you, can't, you, you wake up early and it's just the peace of God that's missing in your life and you're worried and you're anxious. There's just no peace there. If you want to worry less, pray more. Present your request to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. But not only do you need to pray about those things that worry you, you also need to guard what you're thinking about because that's what feeds the worries, right? The things you think about are the things that feed your worries. And so Paul says in verse Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, the reason I believe that verse 8 is tied to verses 6 and 7 is because in verse 6 and 7, he talks about the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. And then in the next verse, he talks about things you should be thinking about. And then in verse 9, he talks about the God of peace, at the end of verse 9, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. So in verses 6 and 7, he talks about the peace of God who guards your hearts and your minds. And in verse 8 and 9, he talks about the God of peace. And so you have to be careful about what you think. You see, if you think about something long enough, you become what you think about. 
So he says, make sure that not only are you trying to pray about these things that worry you, you also need to train your mind to think about the right things. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've heard, learned, or received, heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I'm, one, one other thing about the game last night that it, I don't know if you called it at the end of the game or if you saw it at the end of the game, but they were interviewing Dabo. He said something. When he said it, I thought, oh, my goodness, that'll preach right there. Here's what he said. It goes right along with with this verse. He said, you got to think the right way. You have to win on the inside before you can win on the outside. When I heard that, I thought, that'll preach. I wrote that down. you got you got to think the right way. you got to win on the inside before you can win on the outside. Paul says the same thing in verse 8. Brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You've you, you got to think the right way. You've got to win on the inside. We win on the outside. Imagine, if you would please, imagine your life, how it could be different if this week you depended on God more than you did last week imagine if you depended on God this time more than you did last time imagine if these three words became your focus this week in the Lord if whenever you come up on things that are hard and difficult and discouraging what if the Holy Spirit reminded you in the Lord when you're about to worry about something you have no business worrying about, and what, what if the Holy Spirit reminded you in the Lord? What, what if, if you're, you're fussing with someone or you're, you're mad at somebody and you just, and this week you're just, and then the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, in the Lord. Imagine if, you're, if life got heartbreaking this week. And the Spirit of God wraps His arms around you and says, In the Lord. You can stand fast when life gets hard if you'll do it in the Lord. You can. Agree with that person you disagree with if you do it in the Lord. You can rejoice always if you're rejoicing in the Lord. If you did that, you might just find the peace of God and the God of peace working in your life. Now, I don't want you to close up anything, but I want to go to one final scripture, and it's found in Romans chapter 8. The same man who wrote Philippians from a Roman prison cell also wrote a letter to the church at Rome. I want you to find Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, a very familiar scripture, but you might want to get your pen handy to mark something. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. I can't think of a better way to end the service than to end with these words. For I am convinced. Paul is saying this after having walked with the Lord for a long time, having served the Lord for many years. Towards the end of his life, he's writing these words, and he says, listen, I'm convinced of something. I've experienced it. I've known it. I'm sure of it. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is, watch this, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In, there's those words, in Christ Jesus. 
Paul said, listen, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. When you are the branch in the vine, he said, there is nothing that can separate you from God. When you are in the Lord, you'll never be out of the Lord. When you are in the Lord, you'll never be without the Lord. So there is nothing you can't face with the Lord. I'm convinced, he said, there's nothing. No, life, death, nothing, nothing, nothing that will separate you from the love of God to those who are, who are in Christ Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Are you in Christ Jesus? See, that's really what it means to be a Christian. Be a Christian is not... I love the fact that we baptized two people up here today, but that, that doesn't make you a Christian. That just makes you wet. Right? Being a Christian is, is not that I got baptized or that, that I joined a church or, or that I, I'm a pretty good person. Listen, you can do all of those things and split hell wide open. Being a Christian is when you are in Christ Jesus. You have a relationship with Him, just like the, the branch has a relationship with the tree. The branch is in the tree, and you, the life flows from the tree into the branch. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am in Christ Jesus, and He is in me. That's why Paul could say, listen, guys, as I close this letter, I just want to tell you something. First of all, stand firm in the Lord. Don't let the enemy attack. When the enemy attacks you, don't let him cause you to run. Stand firm in the Lord. And, and you, Odia and Syntyche, agree with one another in the Lord. Don't give the enemy the time of day. Don't, don't let him cause division in your life and in the church. Agree with one another in the Lord. And oh, by the way, rejoice in the Lord because your joy is not dependent on your circumstances. It's not dependent on what you have or what you don't have. Rejoice in the Lord because if you've got him, you've got all you need. So rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. In the Lord. That is the Christian life. Let's pray about that. Thank you, Father, that we have more than just a stale religion. We have more than just a place to come to. We have a relationship with, with you. Thank you that you have reminded us that the essence of that relationship is that we are in the Lord. We are in Christ Jesus. And I pray for anyone here today, and they don't yet have that, they don't know that, I pray that today they would surrender their heart to you and say, Lord Jesus, come live in me so that I can be in you. And God, I pray if there is a Euodia or a Syntyche out in this audience today, I pray for your Holy Spirit to bring conviction, to, to empower them and to convict them that they need to agree with each other in the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, Lord, for someone who is going through heartbreaking times and that life has just become very hard in recent months or recent years. I pray that they would experience new strength because they're focusing in the Lord, standing firm in their faith. And may we all rejoice. Not in our craziness, the crazy circumstances, not in the... the, the hard things around us, but may we, re we rejoice in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.